0: Welcome to Content Kettle. This podcast is all about marketing, where we'll be speaking with CEOs and founders of brands across the globe, and marketers who rolled up their sleeves to get their businesses out there and turn them into a success. With each having taken a different path to grow their business, they have what we call actual actionables on marketing, and they're spilling the tea with us, or maybe even having one. I'm Manishika, the founder of a content marketing agency that works with startups to help them establish their presence online. Hope you enjoy the podcast. Hey Shaima, welcome to Content Kettle. For those of you listening to us, Shaima is the founder of a healthy foods brand called Keto Beakers that is really turning healthy eating into fun and yummy from what the catalog looks like. But I am going to let Shaima tell us a little about the brand and herself now.
1: Sure. Thanks, Vanshika. Thank you so much. See, I I butchered your name again. Never Mm -hmm. mind. Let's move on. So, you Kilo know, kilobeters is a company that uh, was born in 2016 end and we began with meal plans so we used to do meal plans specific to one's bmi specific to one's fitness goals etc and as all of us know the pandemic hit and that's when we realized people have the bandwidth to now cook their own food which means they didn't exactly need us anymore that's how the turn of events happened the pivot happened for kilobeters and we launched our product line we started manufacturing products from our little factory in Naray, where we contract manufacture for a few big brands and we have our own brand called hashtag cheat without cheating. So hashtag cheat without cheating is a kilobeters brand and we we manufacture high protein, low carb, zero sugar products. So that's what kilobeters is about.
0: Wow, that's a lot of things. But since you also had a pivot, I would love to know how did it actually start? Like, when did it start? And how did it start? Was this something that you were extremely passionate about? Was there something inspired by somebody
1: oh yeah yeah we uh, so my husband and I have always been very passionate about fitness and we were in this uh, one of our lazy stints decided to move to Goa for a year and that's when we realized that there aren't any options like if you want to eat out so this this is way back I'm talking about 2015 2016 and uh, that's how this whole uh, you know the, the the seed was planted in my head you know like let, let's just go back to Mumbai Pune where life is a little faster and start out something like this because back Back in the day, there were no such services, right? Today, you have dime a dozen. Everyone's catering to keto and healthy and whatnot. But uh, yeah, back then we didn't. And that's how we started Kilobeters because I'm passionate about fitness. So is he. And I'm passionate about cooking as well. So we said, let's bring both of these together. And uh, yeah. Thus, kilobeters was born and then it was just word of mouth. It began with a few friends and then it, uh, you know, people started talking about it. And that's when we went all out, got our commercial space and the rest is history. That's actually a
0: really good story, considering that it comes from what you were actually driven about rather than something that was just in them. Okay, so you went after an extremely competitive industry, but with your own twist. What were some of the challenges that you faced initially?
1: I mean, as you know, the Indian market is very price sensitive, right? So we would get compared to every other uh, competitor in the space, which we struggled with always in terms of delivering quality and reaching a certain price point, the combination of which is very hard, as you know. So, yeah, that was one major challenge. The second was we were, we still are, in fact, a bootstrapped company, which means that we don't have too much, uh, you know, we don't have like heavy uh, funds, we don't have uh, deep pockets to chase the big guys as far as marketing is concerned. So these two have typically been our constraints. And the third thing was scalability, because with meal plans, it becomes very difficult to manage quality and scale it because you're doing a variety of things, right? So it, there's, no, there's no fixed uh, measures, fixed proportions. So these are things that we kind of struggled with a little in the beginning. But yeah, so these have been our major challenges. Actually, my next question was
0: going to be somewhere around, uh, you know, the diversity of things that you're doing right now. It's like mm-hmm. there's a vast range of products out there, different types of nutrition right. uh, that are back, b- backing those products. So how do you really decide, you know, what is it exactly that you're going to go after?
1: So we've set a niche for ourselves. Um, so, So... Uh, our USP is that we don't a, there's nothing hidden in our products. So there's, there's no hidden sugar. There's no jaggery. There's none of that. So these are a few principles that we've been very clear about as far as our products are concerned. Second is we're trying to keep it high protein, low carb. We're going for people who are making a lifestyle of high protein, low carb, which I believe in today's uh, world, everyone's kind of educated. People know that that's, that's the only way you can sustain it. We, I mean, we're we not, uh, you know, tom toming about being keto products, but we do kind of keep the carbohydrate intake a little low. So, so it suits diabetics. It suits anyone who's trying to lose weight. It suits anyone who's an athlete. So that's, that's pretty much the range that we're going. So like we don't use dates. We don't use oats. We don't use any of that in our products. They're not the typical products that you uh, get out in the market.
0: Mm-hmm. I have to ask, uh, how much of research time did you really spend? That seems like a <laughs> lot. Uh, I mean, to get to yes, your since you mentioned principles as well, keeping those principles yeah. at the core of your product. Uh, that means branding, yeah. market research. How long did
1: it take? Right. So this did take a while. This took us about a year and a half to kind of launch the products. It started with one of our biggest customers who's also a very well-known brand in Maharashtra. I wouldn't want to name them, but but they're the ones who gave us the first push of your products are amazing. And that's, that's where we started. That's what we, you know, that was our first, all of us need that little push, right? So that's when we decided, all right, we're taking this on and let's go out because it, it, it is a much more scalable model, right? When you're doing products, it's so much more easy to replicate to manufacture because you have your processes in place and that's the re- that's one of the main reasons we decided to pivot as well so yeah the, it did take a lot of planning it did Take keeping our principles uh, intact because there were a lot of people that approached us and said, you know, what's the big deal? Just use jaggery, just use honey. But we didn't want to kind of go that route because we believe everyone's doing that and what's going to make us different, right? So that's, uh, that's why we took a while to kind of launch, but I think we did that well.
0: And how important do you think, uh, you know, getting all your brand guidelines right from how you manufacture the products to so how you present them and the USBs that you state into the market. How important do you think that is before launching?
1: Uh, I think it's very important because, like I said, we are today dealing with a very educated audience. We are not dealing with, if I may say, my parents' generations and, you know, those generations where people didn't know better than reading healthy, nutritious on the carton, right? Today, everyone's well-read. People know what uh, works for them, what doesn't work for them, etc. So, so yes, so placing our product correctly, uh, understanding what niche we want to play in, positioning them correctly. Yeah, they've all been very, very crucial in terms of even, even something as simple as naming a product is so important today, right? Because you're trying to tell the person the application through the name of the product. So a lot of research and a lot of thought process went into uh, these, um, these little categories of placing them and positioning them.
0: Since there's so many USPs about product and you're breaking, you know, the traditional approach to healthy eating. What Mm -hmm. are some of the marketing strategies that you use to put forward those USPs?
1: Okay, to be very honest, we've started our product line around about 15th of December. So the strategies in terms of social media marketing, all of us do it. We also kind of burn a certain amount as far as social media marketing is concerned. As far as our products are concerned, we try and uh, play in the high protein, low carb uh, category. Uh, we are not so much for the influencer approach because, um, we see everyone do that today and we don't believe in, you know, we, with all due to respect to influencers and stuff like that, we, we don't believe in buying reviews. So that's something that we've, we've not done. And I'm hoping it doesn't harm us in a way that we've lost out. Uh, it's just genuine reviews and up until now, it's largely been word of mouth. It's been our social media marketing. It's been, uh, people seeing our ads or coming onto our website, finding something different. Thereafter, it's the product that speaks, right? That first initial push is where you bring the person onto your website. But after that, it's the quality of your product. So we take pride in our repeat customer base. I'm sure many, many other brands play on this too, but we're very happy with the kind of uh, repeat orders we get and the word of mouth spreading all of that at the moment. Because like I said, we're we're rather new in the segment. We just launched in December. So we're still exploring the marketing aspect. I don't know if we have got it right yet. I'm sure we have a long way to go
0: you've practically almost you know half answered my next oh, next question, next question. <laughs> <laughs> but at the same time i'm glad you did which means that my questions were pretty good and prepared yeah. you mentioned social media you just started with social media. but at the same time i do see you making a lot more effort than the conventional healthy food brands etc that are coming up which are mostly just pushing out let's say a lot of product pictures to the least, and uh, Offers On the flip side, I see your content being more aligned towards sharing ingredients, sharing uh, the making, the captions, etc. It's a lot more effort. I see a bit of content marketing being infused into uh, social media. Does that give you like an edge on social media as well? The explanation that you give or the education that
1: you give? I guess so, because again, it's like I said, right, it's a very uh, well-read audience that we're dealing with. You can't sell them crap anymore. And that's, that's the beauty of today's market, right? I've seen people, I've seen even old people today because they've been told by their kids to turn the box and read what's, uh, what goes into it. So that's refreshing to see. And that's why we think that uh, we're in the right place at the right time. I mean, everyone knows, everyone knows what's good for them, what's bad for them, what works for them, what doesn't. So So it is kind of important to be transparent with whatever ingredients that you're using uh, with whatever your nutritional information is. So that's exactly what we, we try to do with our products as well. We are continuously telling people that, you know, we're not using preservatives. There's no grain, there's no flour. There's nothing hidden in between. I mean, we all know about the brands and we know how beautifully ingredients are, are masked. Right. So that's a known fact today, but yeah, that's, that's something we are completely playing against. Let's hope it pays off.
0: I'm sure it will, Uh, especially on social media when you are trying to, you know, kind of break the stereotypes and. Talk about things that people don't want to talk about, answer the hard questions. I feel that that always fails, even if it's slower. It is slower for sure, because people like to go after it. It is, it is.
1: Of course. Yes, of course.
0: So when there's so much of noise on social media, what is like the typical journey that you've seen for a customer? How do they really discover your brand? I mean, there's a lot of noise. Um, There are influencers, yes. There are people who are sharing content of their own, and then there are brands, and then there are ads. So there's just way too much happening on social. How are you streamlining your efforts? I see that your main focus is Instagram as compared to Facebook. I mean, you're maintaining Facebook, but major focus is Instagram.
1: That is correct. So that's exactly why I used the word burn. Because with social media marketing, we've definitely not cut our quote to size. We can't do that because if we do that, we're going to lose out. Uh, That being said... It does take a while to kind of see results. The journey typically is someone stumbling on the ad, uh, maybe they see one of our posts. Luckily, we have something called Reels today, so you know we put out Reels. There, someone just sees something exciting and then decides to go on our website, right? Once they land on the website, then they are shopping all around, and we are hoping not to confuse them. And <laughs> it's a it's a whole process. Like we we I mean we and we analyze every part of this, right? So we are analyzing uh, whether is the ad effective enough to bring one to the website. Once they come on the website, we're analyzing whether um, the website is simple enough for the consumer to uh, to follow. And thereafter, we're wondering why the consumer didn't make a purchase. So so it's like a crazy journey for the consumer and for us because we are continuously analyzing all these things. Typically, a successful journey would be anybody who comes onto our website. We don't see purchases on the first, uh, uh, I I mean, uh, on the first visit because you see that there's exactly like you said, there's so much noise. There are so many uh, websites out there that don't deliver what they promise. So people, it takes a while to kind of gain their trust after which once they kind of understand they go through the website, they probably see the ad for the second time, come onto the website and make a purchase. And that's when we've succeeded with our burn (laughs) on social media. And then the uh, the rest is the product part, which is very easy for us to sort out because our products taste brilliant.
0: That's actually a very optimized journey, to be very honest, when you're using like, you know, ads and then using them in a very strategic way. Are you exploring ads also on search engines or is it just social for now?
1: Not yet. Not yet on search engines, but that's on the cards in the next month or two. We're just mm-hmm. trying to sort out our social media advertising for the moment and then get on to the uh, search engine ad.
0: Got it. And are you also exploring marketplaces to list your products or is your online store going to be the primary sales channel for you?
1: No, no, no. So we are on Amazon. We are getting on Zepto. We are on Geomart. We are are exploring that as well. We are on Flipkart. So we're on all these channels. We, we still, there are many channels that don't exactly want us yet because we're small, <laughs> but I'm sure they'll come to us. So yeah, we are, we are definitely looking at other marketplaces as well. We are not restricted to our website alone.
0: So there's this one question that often comes up uh, during the podcast and from our listeners is just how much of a budget should they be setting aside for marketplaces versus their own property, which is essentially their online store?
1: It would be a little incorrect if I answered that question because I'm still exploring that side. I don't exactly want to take that question because I don't want to mislead anyone. I'm yet to answer that for myself. So I'm just going to let that pass.
0: Okay, so I'll probably simplify it and say, what was the number one reason you opted to list your brand on marketplaces?
1: Because of the trust factor, like I said, right? We're new players. People want to understand um, if the product gets delivered at all, uh, to be honest, because we, we have so many scamsters out there and we're continuously getting, uh, you know, you, nobody wants to get cheated today, right? So the first thing is trust. I think it just becomes very easy to get on an Amazon or a Swiggy and then just pick up the product. And then you know uh, that you like the product. And then you then you probably explore the brand and you go into the website and understand their offerings and stuff like that. So legitimate. <laughs> legitimacy is the one reason that we are looking at other marketplaces
0: that sounds like an apt answer okay so moving to retention because you also mentioned that you know a very big part of your strategy is retention uh, surprisingly yes. a lot of brands out there when they were surveyed about 60 to 70 percent of their budget actually goes into acquisition as compared to focusing on retention. So my question to you is, one, why did you prioritize customer retention? Uh, Was it because of your experience previously? Two, what are some of the strategies that you use to retain customers?
1: Right. Acquisition, of course, is a large chunk of it, but acquisition, again, is a very expensive game Uh, you know, you you acquire the customer and you're going to let that customer go, then it doesn't serve you much of a purpose, right? Because obviously the, the cost spent on your product is not equal to the cost spent on acquiring the customer. So that is one part of it. The second part is retention has always been our strategy, whether it was meal plans, whether it's products, because we believe happy customers bring us more happy customers. And there is no kind of marketing like word of mouth marketing, right? When, if someone told you that these products are really good and they helped me lose weight or they, you know, kind of brought my blood sugar levels down, etc. you will go and check the product out, right. As opposed to just seeing a creative on Instagram and saying, okay, Hey, I, I probably will check them out. Our customers bring us happy customers. That's one. Two is when they come back, they also explore. So for instance, a customer bought one product. When they come back, they like the taste of it. They will then explore uh, other products and to give all the other products a chance. And we've seen this uh, time and again where customers, they come back, they bring us more customers, uh, they help us grow the business organically. And uh, like I said, we're bootstrapped. So that's what helps us get to a level where you know we can look at what we should do next.
0: So redemption has been a very big part of um, yes. our agency as well. We've never done sales. We've never run ads. <laughs> that's because it's always, word of mouth, we've learned from our customers and it's always ended up being a better way of growing organically because we're bootstrapped too. Yeah, I totally associate with it. But when it comes to sharing, right? And this is tricky (laughs) because um, personally, for instance, there are a number of things that work for me. If somebody does ask me a question, I'll probably recommend a product, but that's Mm one asking. I wouldn't probably go and share something on my own on most days because either I'm busy or too distracted or I've completely forgotten What's the one thing Hmm. that you use to nudge your customers to share more about your products?
1: Oh, God, I hope my customers don't hear this, but they get (laughs) bombarded with WhatsApp messages. (laughs) (laughs) If we're launching anything new, they will know. There's no way that they don't know about it. I mean it's it's more a community forming thing right because when someone is diabetic you do know other people who are diabetic as well and our products are we have a whole range targeted at uh diabetes we are listed I mean we are in the pharmacies of Chalaram Institute, et cetera, et cetera, many other pharmacies as well, where we are sold on prescription. So when, if you, you know, if you are diabetic and you know someone who's diabetic, you will definitely tell them that, you know what, maybe consider having this for breakfast if you're bored of bread and eggs. And that's the kind of nudge that we are hoping for from the customer. We also see a lot of uh, gifting on that front, right? Where uh, today nobody wants to gift uh, Kaju Katli at the end of a wedding or uh, on Diwali, because anyway, your your workplace all these guys are doing these things for you right they're giving you the crappiest sugary uh, sweets that you can get your hands on so why would you want to gift someone you love uh, that stuff again so so we see the the word spread, spreading that way too where people want to gift our products because they genuinely care about the other person you know that's the only way we are hoping that the word gets out there
0: You mentioned WhatsApp, so I'm going to dig a little deeper into it because that's something that I have been trying to explore myself, you know, Mm -hmm. to see how it really works. I mean, WhatsApp for marketing, I think it's something that just very recently picked up. I mean, initially it used to be small groups, you know, and you would just send across a message that was more to one way kind of a conversation. How are you using WhatsApp uh, at the moment? I mean, are you using WhatsApp for business or is it the regular WhatsApp that you use?
1: No, no. So we have a WhatsApp for business number. We have a few groups that we've created with our customers. So the meal plan customers, the product customers, etc. And every time we launch a new product um, or there's uh, some kind of offer running, we then uh, shoot out a reminder to the customer to you know go and pick it up and um the beauty of it is that it's so one-on-one right because with whatsapp everyone's getting that it's no hit or miss the person is getting the message right and if they are interested they, they will then pop into the website because you're attaching the link there too in fact we've even started a whatsapp shop where mm-hmm. someone who's lazy to get on the website and you know it's too cumbersome to kind of get on the website you can just you know i'm sure you know about What shop right so we've mm-hmm. used that to kind of get orders it becomes very simple you integrate that with your website and then people just go into whatsapp and shop on whatsapp because technically everyone's on whatsapp at all times so you would say that it's uh,
0: contributing a considerable amount to yes. your business growth as a channel yes
1: especially the yes not an acquisition uh, not on the acquisition front but the retention front for sure
0: understood because we've been seeing WhatsApp being used for different purposes, right? From part recovery to reminders, engagement. We've been getting campaigns. As a consumer, I get plenty of campaigns. That's also there. So I'm just seeing how brands are, you know, kind of exploring the channel. Great. So right. um, my next question is, healthy consumers or healthy food needs, fitness trends, they keep changing. I mean, year on year, I think when the pandemic hit, everything was about immunity, you know, everything became immunity. Yeah. And then then the concern yeah. became uh, your strength. Then everybody started talking about your back strength, bone strength, because everybody was working from home. Um, yeah, there were numerous is- trends that came in. Some were fads, I guess. And then because people started yeah. to gain weight, there were crash diets that got launched. Yeah. How do you typically yeah. keep up with all of this? Because your product range is consistency, not exactly yeah. keeping up with fads. So, how were you, you know, keeping start. up with all of this?
1: So, so we haven't kept up with any of it. That's what I'm trying to say. We really haven't kept up with any of this. All we've promoted through our meal plans and through uh, our products now is to maintain a healthy lifestyle. Like don't put crap into your body because you, A, you want to look good. We're all vain, right? Everyone wants to look good. Like who doesn't want to look good? I don't know anyone that doesn't want to look good. B, you want to be healthy. You, you don't want to be falling sick. And we've seen that in the pandemic where everyone, I mean, the healthiest person you know, has, has just kind of crumbled. And if you're not going to eat right, then that's not going to help you at all. So, so we've only tucked to our guns and said, you know what, eat enough protein because you need protein. Anybody, even a cancer patient needs protein. All of you need protein. You don't need the excess carbohydrates because you're not, you know, you're not working on a field or you're not working out for like four hours, five hours. You have a sedentary job. At least that applies to 70 to 80% of us, right? Where we're not on the go. We probably, probably have one hour of physical activity in a day. No one has a bandwidth for any more than that. So, you know, kind of keep your carb intake low because you don't really need to eat that mound of rice. So you can keep your carb intake low, enough protein so that your energy levels are up through the day and good fat. Everyone has a misconception about fat. So we've always stuck to these three fundas, and even our product ranges are based on that. We haven't, you know, kind of digressed from our meal plans or we haven't said, yeah, you should do keto or you should do you or do watermelon diet or banana diet no we haven't said any of that with our products it's uh, yeah it's it, it's just it's it's very simple it's just about how you can make this a lifestyle that's all all our products are can you make this a lifestyle if yes then you're going to love the products
0: Mm -hmm. And do you often get consumer requests? Like whenever something new comes up, do you often get requests? You have to always. We do. Yeah,
1: yeah, we do. Today we got a request to manufacture chicken jerky, and we said, "Sorry, we can't do that for you. That's a little." (laughs) Yeah. So so we do get consumer requests. Some some that we accommodate, some that uh is really hard to accommodate. In which case we have to turn them down.
0: Understood. Okay, so you mentioned that, you know, influencer marketing is something that you're staring clear of because what reviews, you know, I yeah. was going to ask what's the one strategy that you feel is extremely hype, but is actually low on impact. I think that would be your answer. But in addition to the same, don't you feel that, you know, maybe leveraging influencers actually gets your brand introduced to a wider audience? There's, of course, the authenticity part of it is definitely lacking because most of them just do it as a contract or something.
1: So low on impact is not something that I think. I think it's high on impact as well. But the problem there is... so. I mean, we're not against influencers. We have nothing against influencers. However, we're trying to get people on board, you know, who could add value to a customer base, right? So if I'm saying diabetic, if I have a diabetician on board, then he is my influencer because he is going to vouch for the products. He has tried and tested the products and he knows it works. So if, if we are talking fit fitness, someone who's truly, truly fit, right? It, it doesn't have to be six pack abs. It doesn't have to be someone with 16 K followers or 23k followers that's not the kind of influencers that we're looking for we're looking for people who are genuine really are in the space they claim to be they're not they're not posing with different cookies sitting in front of them and dumbbells all around them. I mean, we, we're we just looking for people who are who, who are authentic. Just, I mean, because they're the only kinds who speak the true language of the brand, right? There's no point mm-hmm. in going up to people who have a wide audience and uh, that's not a part of our strategy at all. And the sad part is that, um, uh, you know, today even the very well-known faces they, they're not coming to you because they like your brand or, you know, they really want to taste your product or any of that. They have a huge contract too, right? a, a huge contractual agreement where it goes into lax. It's not, it's not just giving your product. It's far more than that. And that's sad. It's really sad because while it is a business for many, it, it, I mean, it, it just, it, there's no authenticity in the products that you see out there anymore. So exactly what you said, there's so much noise out there. So difficult to sift through it.
0: No, I can entirely agree with it because most of the times, I think those influencers that we got talking to and we asked about products, we often heard that the products weren't exactly used, they just used a script to, you know, put forward the product and that's all. And I was like, okay, that's kind of playing on consumer psychology, but great. Okay, so if as a brand that falls between, or I would say in both health and in food and beverage, kind of a industry what are the five tips that you would give to somebody five marketing tips that you would give to somebody who's just starting out with something similar or something in the same industry
1: select your niche that's the first thing educate your audience because they really want to know uh, if that's the kind of audience you're going for. So again, when you select your niche, you kind of pick your audience as well. That's tip number two. Are you going for the masses? Are you going for you know, a specific kind of audience? So are you playing in the medical field? Are you playing in the fitness field? What, where are you going? Right. That's the second tip. The third is uh, to kind of, to be authentic with everything, because if you're not, if you're going to kind of hide things and then people get to know of it later, then it's just going to be a crash down. So definitely don't let that go. Uh, The fourth would be to optimize your marketing budgets, be a little smart with them. Uh, However, like, like I've said, if you're not going to experiment and you're not going all out. then you're, I mean, you're also going to see optimized results. So again, it depends on what your strategy is. The fifth thing, I don't know how many people will agree with me here, but keep everything simple in terms of whether it's your packaging, your nutritional information, your marketing, all of that. Keep it simple because if you are just starting out, you don't want to go all out with these things because these are all really frills to a product. They're not what a consumer comes to you for right? The consumers coming to you for the content that's inside the package. They're not coming to you for the package. So kind of keep those things simple because honestly, I've seen so many uh, people start out in this field where they go all out with their uh, with inventory of packaging and stuff like that and designing and, and it's superb. But unfortunately, if the product doesn't taste good, the co- consumer is not coming back to you. So these are my five tips. I hope they were useful. They were extremely useful,
0: especially the one on packaging, because that's been of constant discussion throughout our podcast, where some people say it's of utmost importance and other people say, no, first focus product Keep things simple, just exactly how you explain, because it's important for the product to be nailed first before getting into Absolutely. all the frills and pantries.
1: And I've been I've been uh, told otherwise by many people, huh? But I I I when I see my repeat customer base, I don't think they're coming back for my beautiful packaging at all.
0: Oh no, functionality greater than beautiful Pack- packaging because I'm not even probably going to use the packaging anywhere else. So it doesn't actually make sense as long as Absolutely. i know the food is good and i know that it's functional it's not difficult to use that's all that matters to be very honest as a wrap up question on a rainy day then, as an entrepreneur right because e-commerce is full of ups and downs i mean what e-commerce i think any business is full of ups and downs what yeah. do you tell yourself yeah. to keep going
1: so so more than me it's i mean while i do believe in the product i'm i'm the one you know, made the products and all of that. And my husband's hardly part of this, but he's been Mm -hmm. my biggest support through this entire process, right? On days when I just don't feel like any of this. I mean, he's, he's just been there. So for me, I think it's, it's as vain as, um, Making him proud, making us proud in a way that you know what we finally did. Because, like I said, it's been a six, seven-year journey already, where we've just pivoted into products and from meals to kind of you know start afresh, like a business that existed and you're starting afresh with a whole new strategy, a whole new line. Right? It's hard. It's 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 day. It's been seven years of day in and day out and times of us not being together and stuff like that. So as vain as this this may sound, it is about uh, us kind of feeling like, yes, okay, we got what, of course we have our money goals and we have all of that in place, but yeah, to kind of, you know, feel that way is, I think is, is what's going to, is what kind of helps me go through this entire uh, journey. Did that sound vain to you?
0: No, actually, it did not. I think on most of my yeah. days, low days, it's more about making my parents proud. Um, and it's I've been, been a journey of about, what, eight years now into the industry. So every mm-hmm. single time I'm like, what am I really doing? What am I really working for? And you do have those days. So I usually it's like, okay, come on, acknowledge you've done this. Okay, okay. So somehow, somehow I've also now gotten into the practice of uh, taking note of little little things that you know come up come my way for instance it could be somebody on linkedin sending me a message saying that hey you know that was really great work we kind of look up to you i've received those tiny messages initially i used to simply say a thank you and that conversation would pass now i take a screenshot and now this is going to sound weird. i actually have a folder of it so on my low days i go through that as Mm -hmm. well it's a Mm -hmm. mood booster and it kind of is a reassurance that I'm moving in the right direction because through all the pivots yes. that we've made, changes we've made, I feel that, you know, there's something that needs to be there that you can see on the low days. That feels good. Yeah.
1: Celebrate your small wins, right? Exactly. Smallest of wins. Yeah.
0: So, yeah. Well, I well, that was all that I had to ask of you uh, today. It was really lovely
1: speaking to you. Thank you so much for having me here. And that's it
0: for today's episode of Content Kettle. Thanks for tuning in. Don't forget to subscribe and share the podcast for more such tips from the real doers.